0: You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Oh, and off and running people on this Saturday, April 9th. Hey, you. How you doing? Jam packed for the next three hours. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. On Twitter, on Instagram, I am at Gordon Damer On uh, the old Twitter, that's where you can still vote for the TV theme throwdown that we've been doing uh, during the uh, ESPN New York shows. During the week, Larry Hardesty and I trying to uh, find the greatest television theme song of all time. We started with 64, just like, well, not just like the NCAA tournament, but we're not doing any playing game But we started with 64. We've worked our way down to the final four, and it's a winner all take all matchup on Twitter at Gordon Damer. And uh, going in, I thought to myself, well, you know what? I would feel comfortable with any three of the four. I would feel good. And of course, it's the fourth one that's winning right now. But look, we will decide that on Monday when ESPN New York is uh, back in section. But uh, we have lots of stuff to do here. On the Gordon Dammer show, we'll check in on the Masters. We got 19 days until the NFL Draft. We will, I guess, kind of uh, give a synopsis of the Yankee season, which apparently, according to people that I know and love, is ending later today. The seat—it's already done. It's over. It's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's already finished. What can you do? And we'll check in on the Mets as well uh, as we uh, lead you up until Chris Carlin at 6 o'clock. But you know what? The NFL, I guess, is where I want to begin today because this was a very big week in the NFL. As I said, 19 days until the NFL draft, a draft that has uh, really just captured everything in our imagination and everything else. We've been so focused on it for so long. But I don't want to give a short shrift to this week because this week marked the end of an era. This was the week. That the Sam Darnold era with the Jets came to an end. I will remember you. Oh, So many good times. Will you so many high points? You had the draft remember. night, remember? jet fans when it was clear you thought it was going to happen right it was all the the the, it was lined up that the giants were going to take barkley and the jets would get sam darnold and they did and the celebration was on and then there was that opening game against the lions the interception on the first pass but then the jets came back and rolled from there and broadway sam was born Those were pretty much the highlights. Uh, Pretty much. uh, All right, we can get rid of the song. But uh, look, the era, which had so much focus on it when he was drafted with the third pick in the draft, has come to an end. And it was just at this same, I think, right, same time slot a week ago, we were still, I wasn't. I mean, I guess I was because other people were calling up at 1-800-919-ESPN telling me that, no, Sam's still going to be here. No, you keep Sam. You draft the quarterback. No, the Jets are still going to trade down. Don't worry. It was just at this time slot a week ago, I was still convincing Jet fans that that was not going to be the case. And it's, I'm sure for those fans, the fact that Sam is not going to be the Jets quarterback, which uh, it was as as obvious, it was as clear as the nose on your face a week ago. Well, it finally it became even clearer for some of us who have uh, you know more prominent nose like I do. Uh, it became even clearer this week when it finally happened. Darnold traded to Carolina, which was really one of the only. I mean. It was either Carolina or Denver. There weren't really that many teams that were still looking for a quarterback. And keep in mind, again, this is an offseason where just about a third of the league is going to have a different quarterback next year than they did this year. And even in a year like that where there's this much quarterback movement uh, for Carolina to finally get in on it at, you know, pretty late in the offseason, they give up a sixth-round pick this year, a two and a four next year, And when it was becoming apparent that the Jets would have a high pick, the talk was, well, maybe they would trade Sam, but they would get back a first-round pick, maybe a late first. And as the offseason went on and the quarterbacks kept moving, it seemed pretty clear it was not going to be a number one. And at last week, it seemed like it might even be worse than a two. It seemed like it was going to probably be maybe a third or a conditional third or a conditional second-round pick. So I think the Jets, A, did the right thing. And B, I think Joe Douglas did uh, about as, as good as he he could, given the production of Sam and and just kind of the market as it developed. Uh, it, it, it's kind of hard for him to convince a team that didn't have interest in Sam Darnold to give up a lot for Sam Darnold. And when you look at some of the the ways that some teams went this off season, the directions that they went in, Washington, Chicago. Uh, It's kind of surprising that the market would not have been better for a guy who was the third pick in the draft just a few years ago. But let's take it from the Jets' uh, perspective first off and from Sam's uh, perspective first off. Because I think that this is, uh, I know it's been said a thousand times, but it needs to be continued to be drilled into some people's heads. It was not going to work for Sam here. Too much has happened. And let's make this clear. He was not blameless in the situation. It's over now. Stop making excuses. Because that's all I've heard from the Sam cult here since it's been blatantly obvious that he was not going to come back. Oh, he had no players. He had no offensive line, the wide receivers. Yes, but the problem was that Sam was bad too. Nobody... Anywhere is saying that he was the only problem. The problem is, is that he was not a solution either. He was consistently at the bottom ratings of quarterbacks, no matter how you want to rank them or rate them or whatever metric or measure you want to use. He was the lowest rated quarterback in his three years in the league. That's not good. Well, that's because he had no help. No, it was not. I mean, it would have helped if he did have more help, but it would not have taken him from where he was to where you guys thought he was going to be. Pro Football Focus ranked Darnold 30th last season in accuracy among quarterbacks operating from a clean pocket. So for all the talk about how bad the Jets' offensive line was and how he had no time and he had no this and he had no that, even when... You go back and look at the plays where he does have time to throw, where he does have time to operate. He was still not very good. He finished as the NFL's lowest-rated passer in 2020. His career passing rating of 78.6 was also dead last among quarterbacks since 2018. And then, of course, there's the, uh, the injury concerns as well. Maybe you, you throw out the mono in 2019 because that was kind of fluky. But he had the separated uh, foot in, I think it was a foot injury in uh, 2018. He had uh, the shoulder thing last year. And you'd have to say that if you're looking at it fairly, the last three seasons, that this season was his worst. And what's funny to me is because when I, I, you point these things out to Darnold fans, to Jet fans, they'll tell you, well, you can't, you're just using stats to say that Sam was bad. You're just using numbers. You can, you can paint numbers any way you want. Okay, well, what are you using to say that he was good? All right, like if the numbers or if the stats, which are a result of his production, is what I'm using, what's the proof that you have that he is good? Well, I can just tell. Uh, I think I'm going to need a little bit more than that. Well, he was the third pick in the draft. There are a lot of guys taken high up in the draft that turn out to not be good. generally, it's about half the guys turn out to be not really all that, you know, there's a high bust factor in the first round and every round of the NFL draft. Well, he had these individual plays here and there where you could see glimpses of the player that he is. Everyone has plays, quarterbacks, everyone. Over the last, you take it, the last five years, guys that were taken high that didn't turn out to be what we thought they might be when they were taken in the draft. You can cherry-pick here or there, no matter who you want, if it's Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky, in his second year, threw six touchdowns in the game. Was that that the real Mitch Trubisky? Uh, Jameis Winston had a game in his rookie season where he threw five touchdowns in his rookie year. Marcus Mariota, in his very first game, in his NFL debut had a perfect quarterback rating. And really all you need to to kind of puncture the the Sam Darnold defender even at this point is if I had told you back on draft night three years ago that Sam's play would look like this. Forget about numbers. Just go through the games. If I could put all the games into a, a, a file and beam them into your head and you could fly through them. And that's what his... Some total of his three years we here would be. If I told you that back on draft night, would you have signed up for it? The answer is clearly no. Of course not. Don't be ridiculous. And it's been clear for a while that the Jets needed a fresh start. It was clear that he needed a fresh start. I mean, did you see the video of him arriving in Carolina? He looked like uh, Red when he was released from prison in uh, Shawshank. He was like, oh, my God, Fantastic. And I'm not saying that maybe Sam can be good in Carolina. I, I, I think that it's probably still doubtful. But I think what's really clear is it would not have happened here. But it's crazy because there are some still, some of you, that are part of the Sam Darnold cult. I would have thought that the trade would have finally punctured that, that seal of the cult. So in preparation for the show today, I Googled. How to convince people to leave a cult. And this might surprise you. It's not easy. It's actually quite difficult. But I I, I was able to to do some research. uh, And it says that uh, after the cult, the world can seem a bleak and less exciting place. But with the help of family and friends, former members of the cult can build a new and more authentic life and purpose. And one of the real keys, if you're trying to get somebody out of a cult, if you know somebody, that's uh, still in the the Darnold cult, or another one, if you know. Uh, You have to do everything you can to stay in touch. The first instinct is to be turned off by the person because they will not listen to reason or facts or numbers or anything. But you have to not fall into that trap of just cutting that person off and waiting them to come to you. You have to do everything in your power to stay in touch. So I would simply say 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. And also, they, they stress that what you have to do is to make sure that the person who was involved knows that there is a safe and non-judgment place to come home to, to finally let their feelings out and start the healing process. So that's what I'm here for. Next three hours, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776 is the telephone number. So coming up, we will take your phone. If there are still people out there who still believe that Sam Darnold got a raw deal here, that there was, there was a good chance that he was going to be able to succeed here and that the Jets did him dirty and they did him wrong. I would say the greatest thing that Joe Douglas has done for Sam Darnold is not Makai Becton or any of the other draft picks that he's made in his time here. I would say the best thing he's done for him, if there's a way to salvage his career, it was to move on because it was not going to work here. I'm not convinced it's going to work there either, but I can say this, that after this upcoming year, the excuses have now been removed for all time. The excuse that everyone gave it, well, you know, he didn't have this, he didn't have that. Well, now he's got an all-world running back who's coming off of a down year, so he's going to want to show that he's still uh, as great as he is in Christian McCaffrey. He's got his old buddy, Robbie Anderson, who excelled, in his first year away from Sam Darnold, put up his best career numbers of all time. He's got an offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, who everybody thinks the world of, led that record-setting offense at LSU. So this is the guy that Carolina has decided to go with in an offseason, again, where there was quarterbacks left and right. And this is the guy they ended up with, which I think it's pretty clear this is not the one. This was not plan A for Carolina, but it's the plan that came to fruition.
0: This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: All right, Gordon Damer. apparently dream on is what the Yankee fans hoping for a run are going to be doing today because uh, it doesn't seem, or Mets fans for that matter, right? Why, why do the Mets hate Jacob deGrom as much as they do? They cl- I mean, it's no longer a small sample size where they just don't score runs for the poor guy. They must clearly have something that they don't like about Jacob deGrom. It's the only reasonable explanation that I can have. It is the Gordon Dammer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New York. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. And uh, let's get to the phones uh, here already, because uh, I'm going to tell you, we are having some sort of technical issues where I do not get to see the calls. But I know in my heart of hearts that somewhere on the line right now is Spike, formerly of Jersey. Spike, what's going on, pal?
2: Boy, I intuition knew was your intuition and your heart are very accurate, my friend. There
1: you it's go. It's refreshing
2: up? to hear you with the sun out. Uh, on both ends, you get on before the sun came up, and now you're on when the sun's down. A couple of things about Sam, and then one quick Yankee comment, and I got a stick and a comment. In. I watch Sam a lot, and he never looked anything to me more than average. He, and at first he looked below average. Once in a while, he pulled something out of his rear end to make a good throw on the run, seemed to run right most of the time. And sometimes uh, I think someone said on the opening of this program, you, you have what, 40%, 50% on a two-pick or three-pick? That's about it. Yeah. You know? I don't see much to him. Now, it did go from, again, a one to a two. To, they didn't market it right. You know, Buddha from the Bronx, a great caller, and you know how he feels about Sam and Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas is his name, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, I, you know, you never know by high, so low. You know the whole deal. Uh, by low, so high, whatever. So I just, uh, whatever they got, they got. They got a two, I think, for next year. Maybe that'll work yeah, out. Two or four draft next year, year or six one. this year. Yeah, you know, who knows with the draft picks. You know, it's it's a crazy thing. Uh, I, I will disagree with you, Spike. Then, I think that he ahead.
1: actually, uh, just to get to Darnold, he actually showed you at times these unbelievable playmaking ability but that, to all me, right. is actually more dangerous than somebody who just stinks all the time, right? If somebody just stunk all the time, you would just say, all right, this guy's obviously no good. It's that, that that ability to pull out a play here or there can suck you in and force you to spend a whole lot more time thinking that that, rather than that that's the outlier, that that's the actual player, and that gets a lot of coaches fired.
2: Yeah, I got the impression it was the outlier. I watched pretty much yeah. all his snaps. And I watched it a little bit in college, propensity to turn the ball over. I just got to tell you two quick things, and thanks for the time, and, and, and stay well. I, I, the uh, stadium is about 15 minutes from where I live, and, and my kid's coming in on Monday night. And he said, the Yankees are in. They triple the price of the tickets. It's wild. And I said, eh, I'm not going to go today. Now, I hope I made the wrong decision and they come back in this game. But the first 20 games in baseball, I don't pay much attention to it unless you're 5 or 15. And I think they'll straighten out. And on the game last night, you know me with the Knicks. I think last night, that it might be, I want to jump the shark here, that R.J. Barrett might have come of age last night. I would have bet any amount of money I could steal that he wasn't making those Three free throws. I just, it's just that he wasn't going to make them. And the way he took Morant to the rack after they made the first three, I think Valenzuela uh, missed the free throw. He just went in there, used his strength, he made a big three. With, but the Knicks are playing now with Julius Randle, who's obviously not himself. He must have an injury in his thigh mm-hmm. or something. So that was a great, great win last night. And again, uh, tomorrow they got uh, Toronto, who's playing Cleveland tonight, and has to travel. So I want to at least split the next two games. So thanks a lot, and All I right, appreciate Spike. you getting me on. And I'll keep an eye on the Yankees down here. There you go.
1: Keep an eye on them. They'll they'll eventually start to hit and score some runs. I we hope uh, they they haven't had the tendency under Boone to kind of kick it around the first couple of weeks, and then things get straightened out and and they get rolling. I'm confident that they, that that will still happen, even though. I'm not going to lie. It's frustrating, right? It's frustrating to watch what you've watched so far this year where the offense has not really clicked, and that has allowed uh, a lot of the typical kind of uh, you know, rallying cries. The Yankee offense is terrible. They don't get a clutch hit and all these type of things to kind of fester. But I think that they will. Um, in terms of the Knicks, here's the thing with R.J. Barrett, and it would be great if there. I think we all get kind of sucked in at times to think that there's going to be this moment or that moment. This is the moment. That's the moment where all of a sudden you can say everything that happened before that is, is now past, and this is now the player that R.J. Barrett is going to be every single night. Progress generally is not just that kind of straight line straight up. It's more like a stock, right, where it, kind of, it might be heading in that direction over time, but there are dips here and there, and you're hoping that by, I think by the end of this year, you'll kind of know what player you have, and I think that the line is still pointing up, even though there will probably be, even from this point on, some dips along the way. Uh, R.J. Barrett has taken pro- has made progress in basically every area of his game, progress that he needed to make. And I think that he's going to have to continue to make because the one real concern I have about the Knicks at this point is that uh, Julius Randle is just not the same guy he was in the first half of the year. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it is the injury. Maybe it was just an unsustainable level of play that he had. I don't know. But the Knicks can't survive and be the team that we all kind of want them to be this year if he is not going to get back to being that kind of player. Uh, let's go to Doug on Long Island. Doug, what's going on, pal?
3: Hey, segueing into the uh, Knicks full disclosure. I'm Steve Mills' younger brother. I'm just a okay. fan, but uh, I just uh, I, I really like what they're doing. I think you have to give a player like R.J. Barrett, who's 21 years old. Jesus, my son is at Monverde now and he's a fifteen year old sophomore and Coach Boyle said, you know, most of the kids coming out of eighth grade are fifteen now. You know, it's kinda it's an interesting thing. You have to give the guy some time. And with Julius, I mean, I I just I, I think he needed a team. I know my brother always said he's gonna need a little time to be here and he's gonna be the man again, but you're gonna have to give him some time. And people were ready to take his head off last year. Why'd you sign that bum? He's horrible. Wow. He in in fairness, to, Doug, last year time. he
1: was a and he was a very frustrating – He was trying was, to do too much on a team that was going nowhere. Yes, case.
3: yes, and I think me personally, and I'm not a coach, so I'm not one of these fans that says they're a better coach. I, you know, his deal didn't do a great job here, but he's still a good coach. You know, and just like some players don't play well in a situation, and they go to another team and they play well. All of us are experts until you see a guy like Donovan Mitchell drop way down and play the way he did, because he was a four man at Louisville. And I'm segwaying that into the tournament a little bit. I love Baylor. Coach Drew and I are cool and she told me to do this year that his team could win it all. And that guard play on the perimeter is just suffocating. They switch everything. They're six two to six four athletes are just and they send with
4: equal ferocity they that they play
3: on the opposite Doug, Doug, we're going to have to let you go because
1: your phone is starting to break up a little bit. It's getting like that cellular noise where it sounds like you're underwater. So we're going to have to let Doug go. Uh, I apologize for that, but, uh, you know, it just doesn't sound very good. But get back to us uh, next time. Let's go out to uh, Sam is in Rockland. Sam, what's going on?
2: Hey, Gordon. Um, Just wondering, this Sam Donald versus Zach Wilson debate, is getting kind of out of hand. I mean, there's more to a team than a quarterback. I don't think the difference is significant, but each side of the offense, defense, needs around two or three more players. So this draft will address that. Then the next thing is, Sam Donald will have that in in Carolina. Mm -hmm. If Zach Wilson drops the ball at any time this year or next year, there's going to be big issues with this organization. We're going to be talking about maybe another decline of another five years. So, Jack Wilson, he can be as good as he wants. If he is not the next world wonder, we're going to have some big problems.
1: Well, all right, look, take care, Gordon. All right, Sam. Look, no one anywhere is saying that all of the Jets' problems the last three years were Sam Darnold's fault. No one anywhere. No one anywhere is saying, oh, well, now that you've gotten rid of Sam everything's going to be great no of course you're going to have to find the right quarterback and it seems like the Jets obviously have targeted Zach Wilson a lot of people have sung uh, Zach Wilson's praises but it's funny because it feels like people are now saying well yeah now now Joe Douglas uh, is uh, the the hot seat right the pressure is on him well of course the pressure is going to be on him he has to get this pick right and he's going into what year three of a six-year contract. He'll have his coach. He'll now have his quarterback, and he's gotten tw- he'll have twenty-one or twenty-two draft picks over the next two years. Endless cap space. So yeah, obviously the the pressure is going to be on him. Uh, and I don't look at it necessarily as a direct comparison of Zach Wilson or or Sam Darnold because clearly the situation is going to have to get better for the team to get good. But the problem was that it was not that the that Sam Darnold was the the uh, the only problem with the team, but he wasn't part of the solution either. He he you know the reason why the quarterback is so important is you you'd like to think that the quarterback, if he's elite, even if he's playing with subpar players around him, will be able to lift you in in moments and at times and kind of gloss over those those weaknesses that you have in other areas. Sam was never able to do that. So for Joe Douglas, the good news is basically. Anything that he does will be seen as progress. Let me state this very clearly. He cannot, the Jets cannot be worse than they were this year. They were the most inept team maybe we've ever seen. I mean, the tw- I, 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 t- I came up with the phrase, the 2020 Jets, you have to see it to believe it. It was absolutely true, and it started week one against the Bills, where they came out absolutely sleepwalking and really were never in the game, despite the fact in the second half the Bills almost seemed willing to give them the game. I think the second game was against the Niners where they got destroyed. They had that Colts game where Darnold threw an interception the first play, I think it was the first play of the game, and they got destroyed. They had the Bronco game where Sam got hurt. They had the Raiders game where they almost pulled it out and still lost because of that play at the end. And then, of course, the worst point, the, the worst part, part of the season, the worst point of all, was the wins over the Rams and Browns. It was a disastrous season. They were 2-14 and 14 and inept in every single phase of the game. So the good news for Joe Douglas is he, he could just simply be average, and the team is not going to be worse than that. I feel confident in saying that no matter what you think about Zach Wilson or the draft picks this year – the Jets will be better than what they were. So there will be at least some progress right away. It would be next to impossible to not have progress
0: this year. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: The other day I said you know Larry's a Mets fan I'm the Yankee fan I said Larry who is the Mets circle of trust when it comes to the bullpen and he said well Seth Lugo is not going to be back Gordon for another couple of months I think the Mets bullpen circle of trust is just holding your fingers up to make the number zero that that <laughs> that's who the the circle of trust is because Edwin Diaz came into a, a one nothing game and what is it now three nothing guys I think it's now three nothing and uh, Edwin Diaz, not uh, surprisingly, left to a chorus of boos at uh, City Field. So not uh, going well there for them, not going well for the Yankees. So a lot of baseball uh, angst early on as the Yankees are trailing the uh, the Rays. Uh, at last check, it was 4-0. So neither team has scored a run. So all the yelling and screaming that people did about taking Jacob DeGrom out after 77 pitches the other day, unless he's going the entire way and – coming up with the hits to score runs as well. I don't know why the Mets, they just, it's pretty clear at this point, they're harboring some sort of grudge against Jacob DeGrom. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. So we've been talking a lot about the Jets, and uh, we'll continue to do that in, in, in just a second. I think the one, there's two things that I think that we now moving forward. One is, is, is in the past, and one is t- still to come. The lasting lesson with Sam Darnold now that he is uh, a member of the Panthers, is that when he was taken third, it, was, it felt like the approach was, well, hard work is done. Jet fans celebrated as if we have gotten to the promised land. We got the guy. Now, clearly, we can say that's just the beginning, right? Like, that's the one thing moving forward. Like, you have to learn a lesson from what just just taken place and the lesson has to be that yeah just because you have the quarterback even if you think he's good or a whole lot better than Sam Darnold was you have to now go out and surround that guy with talent so you have 21 draft picks over the next two years Uh, but of course draft the number of draft picks has not been the issue and where those draft picks have come has not been the issue so Joe Douglas, he can't possibly do any worse than the last two guys making the picks, right? McCagnin and Idzik. The, the ESPN 3430s had the two Bills. They could do one with the, the two Bobos because th- those guys were so bad. Anything you can do has to be better than that. You could throw a dart at a board and, and hit something better than that. You might hit a player. That's, but just at the draft, when you when you look at the green room, if they have the green room, just throw a dart and hit a play. The chances are you'll probably do better than the previous two GMs. So, but yes, obviously, the pressure is on for um, for Joe Douglas because now this is his team, right? Who who would he blame if things go wrong now? Now. I don't, I don't know, I'm not putting a number on what the improvement has to be, but clearly from 2-14, and 14, if you win five games, that's improvement. If you win six games, if you just get to league average, that's massive improvement from where you're coming from. The other thing, which is kind of the future, uh, is about Zach Wilson, right? And it almost feels like right now there's a good portion of Jet fans that are still not over the, the Sam Darnold thing. But I'm sure that when the draft comes... Jet fans will be excited, and you should be excited, right? Like Zach Wilson, the things that they're saying about Zach Wilson, that there's, there's reason to be excited. You're hoping now, after all that's gone on in this brutally bad year, that now the future is bright with a new quarterback and, and, and all those type of things. And I, Look, I'm saying be excited, but can we stop with the hype train? You know, one of the things that turned so many people off that are not Jet fans is the hype train with Sam Darnold was so over the top. He was going to be the biggest star in New York. He's going to be a franchise guy. He is a franchise guy. He's Broadway Sam. The owner, this is the most important decision the organization has ever made. And and the comparisons uh, as well. And these aren't Jet fans. These are people that follow the NFL being compared to Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and Brett Favre. I mean... Why, it's almost like, why, why is it always comparisons to the, the best guys that have ever... It's like when people are reincarnated, they always come back as someone from a, in their past life. They're always somebody famous. They're never just a Joe Schmo. I, I, look, you can say that maybe he has qualities of those guys, but, you know, can we stop with the over-the-top... I mean, if you think that, if you really believe that he has Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Brett Favre, Deshaun Watson, why in the hell is he going to... Why well, is Trevor Lawrence, John Elway, and Peyton Manning, and Dan Marine. I mean, geez, Louise, he should probably be going one if he's got all those things. All right, let's go back to the phones. one 800 espn is the uh, telephone number. Let's go to uh, Mario. Is in New Rochelle. Mario, what's up, pal?
4: Hey, Gordon. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, great to talk to you first time.
1: Thanks, man. I had two questions. Well, two, two, two things. I wanted to talk
4: about the next. Well, you're talking about Sam Donald. And I go, like, this is my opinion on Donald. He's not a great quarterback. The great quarterbacks show their greatness from the first couple of years of their career. This guy has never showed, shown any greatness of being a great quarterback, none. And I'll go Not through quarterback at the quarterback with you. You know that you saw you saw evidence of their greatness in the first couple of years. You never saw this with Donald. Um, thank God we got rid of
1: him. Let's move on. Yeah, I'll just say, Mario, um, the two guys who are exceptions to that rule, Drew Brees with San Diego and Eli Manning with the Giants. Any other guy that has been taken very high up in the draft over the last 20, 25 years, you're absolutely right. Within within three years, you kind of know what career that guy's going to have.
4: Okay, I would only differ. I think Eli was a. He had a couple of great moments. I don't think he was a great quarterback, but we can differ. Right. But he's going to
1: go to the Hall of Fame. Like, if, if, if Sam Darnold turns right. out to be Eli Manning, you would have signed up for that, right? I mean, that's the only thing. But, yeah, I, I kind of he
4: agree does, with you. He showed – you know, he, Marino showed you he was a great quarterback right away. Right off the bat. It doesn't matter what the – you know, you know that's, that's the point I'm trying to make. With the Knicks, I love the fact that Julius Randle wanted to come to New York and make it his team. That's a great thing. Now, superstars make basketball, and they make the NBA. Who's – and this is my question to you, Gordon. Who's the next Superstar. That wants to come to New York and make it his team, like they did in Brooklyn with Kyrie
1: Irving and uh, you know uh, Durant. The next disgruntled superstar. I I don't know. Uh, I think what the Knicks have to. Who is that guy? I don't know. Uh, It's not apparent right now who that person is going to be. We kind of thought that it was going to be uh, the kid in D.C., uh, Bradley Beal, but he doesn't want to really leave there as of yet. Um, but no, I think what the Knicks have to focus on right now is getting themselves in a position where they have the assets to be able to acquire that guy when he does w- when whenever that person is, because it will happen right over the next year. There will be some guy who wants to leave and and unlike, you know, the Indiana Pacers or other teams that are not big media. You know, no disgruntled superstar is ever going to want to go to Utah. If the Knicks put themselves in a position where they have some form of credibility and some talent base where that superstar is not going to a just a losing situation, they'll put themselves in position to get that guy. But I don't know who that guy is right at this second.
5: Well, do you
4: think the Knicks have changed their image enough? Nobody wanted to come to New York for the longest time.
1: Right. Enough um... where the,
4: the superstar wants to come to New York. And I'll hang up and I'll listen
1: to you. Yeah, I mean, and thanks, Mary, for the call. I don't know if they've changed it yet. I think they're on their way to changing it, right? And I think that at least they have people in place now who have far more credibility than they had before. Uh, But are they a destination yet? I don't know that that's happened yet. I think that they have to do a little bit more before they're ready to... But the fact that they have New York, I do think that that will be appealing to players if they can show, A, they have some talent around them. You're not going to just a kind of a losing situation where you're going to be the person that everybody blames. And they have a coach and I think a front office that kind of has a clue and kind of has a read on the situation, which they didn't have before. You know, they thought that they had people running the show before who knew, you know, the inside stuff, and and clearly they didn't. They, they, They misread that situation. I think now with Leon Rose, I think that he has a far better grasp on uh, not just getting the voice in the room, but having a good read on what the room is actually saying and being able to take advantage of that as a, as a result of being a, a former agent. So I don't know necessarily that they've turned the corner yet. I know Nick fans think, obviously, right, you've won more games this year than you did all last year. They've surpassed their win total, which was predicted in Vegas and everywhere else already. So, yes, I think things are pointed in the right direction. But are they a destination yet? Uh, that's to be determined, but I like the way they're going. And if they can continue to make progress, think about all the, all the resources they have at their disposal. They have all this cap space. They have draft picks. This is year one. And I know we all want it now and it has to be this and it has to be that. Uh, and if they end up getting into the play in and not the playoffs, people will say, well, it was a disappointment. It was a disaster. It was this thing or that thing. This is just year one. This is just about putting it in place. Now this off season, I think we've said this. It feels like every off season for the last five years, this is going to be a very big offseason because of all the cap space, all the resources you have, you should be able to take the next sizable step. Like if this year is about just simply getting to the play in, next year has to be about being one of the top six. That that would be a fair judgment for year two, I think. Let's go out to Sam in Jersey. Sam, what's going on?
6: Yeah, you know That last play, it makes me laugh. Eli Manning it wasn't a great quarterback two Super Bowls in the last 15 years. How many quarterbacks have done that?
1: Well, I think, I know, but Sam, but, uh, I think what he's saying is that, you know, those two moments, if he didn't have those two moments, the rest of the career was not what you would say Hall of Fame worthy, but the fact he had those two specific moments playing as well as he did in the big stage, that's what will get, exactly. you, you know, it, that was not indicative of he did, who he was throughout his entire career.
6: Right, but he did it when he had to right. do Right, no, that's absolutely he ask did you. it. That's, I'm that's ask all you a
1: question.
6: i want to ask you a quick question. Sure. Uh, what do the three top quarterbacks have in common?
1: Uh, what did the top three quarterbacks, what, in the draft this year? Yeah, in the draft this year. Um, well, who is the third guy? You think it's Mac Jones, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'd say that they all had outstanding seasons.
6: Okay. No, but I'm just saying, I want to go to another another th- th- area. Okay. They're all white. They're all white. Oh, yeah. Justin yeah. Fields outperformed Justin, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Every step of the way, whenever he was in front of him, he outperformed him. He's faster. The guy, what did he do to, to, to when he played uh, Clemson? Okay? He did that yep. to Clemson. And when Absolutely. he went to play Alabama, he should, the guy shouldn't even have been playing the game. He was hurt. And he, he was playing. That's the guy I want on my team. If I'm a Jet.
1: Okay. You know, I'm a Jet fan. You know, that's okay.
6: The, that's the guy I want, I want on my team. Not a kid that wasn't even on the radar five, four months ago. And he has a shoulder well, no, Lawrence was a, oh, problem. you're
1: talking about Zach Wilson. Okay, I'm sorry. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Look, uh, yeah. I think Justin Fields still has at least the chance to go number three. It seems like a lot of people are uh, in disbelief that Mac Jones would be – and i, I got to be honest with you, I'm exactly. a little – exactly. In disbelief exactly. that – But, you, I mean, look, uh, what I will say is that Mac Jones did have an unbelievable year. Now, I think that a lot of that was the product of the talent that he had around him. But, you know, outside right. of, of maybe Zach Wilson, the other guys had unbelievable talent around them too. So I understand what you're saying yeah. about Justin Fields. If it does turn out that he drops to, to, to eight or nine, um, I don't know why that is. It That's seems like that some that, of the things are about the, the processing during plays that he's not that good unless his first read is there. Um, the thing about Fields that he didn't have
6: to, you know, you look at the, the replay, you know, at the tapes, he didn't mm-hmm. have to go through his third, fourth, or fifth read.
1: Right, but you're going to have to do that in the NFL. Well, that's hoping. the point, Sam. But in the NFL, you're not just going to have just one read and that'll be there all the time. You are going to have to make that, that progression. Well, look at
6: the Clemson game. In the Clemson game, he's going right. to Look
1: sport. In the Clemson games, he was right. He was great. But, you know, uh, there's other, obviously, areas. because when and, and, Th- and, Sam, thanks for the call. When we got into the draft process, it seemed like the conversation was, is it going to be uh, Justin Fields number two? And, and it wasn't even a conversation at first. It was, okay, you know what? The Jets aren't going to get Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be uh, Justin Fields. It's going to be Justin Fields. And there was actually like a a month period where people were trying to make it out like Justin Fields was just as good as Trevor Lawrence. And obviously that couldn't be the case. Like, either Trevor Lawrence is a -a once-in-a-generation player or... The two guys are, are nip and tuck. It can't be that you have two. It's very rare that you would have two quarterbacks in the same draft class. That are all, all these two guys are both once-in-a-generation players. So I, I don't know exactly why, but it seems like the, the, the reading at the line and, and going through his progressions has been something that uh, teams have kind of shied away from. Uh, the uh, from Justin Fields, all right. The Jets have decided, and it seems like the consensus is that, that Zach Wilson is the second quarterback, and he's clearly going to be the second quarterback. Uh, and then it's just a question of if, if Mac Jones or Justin Fields or even Trey Lance might be that third guy. It certainly seems like from all the people who are the insiders who, who do this for a living that they think that it's going to be Mac Jones, which is a surprise to just about everybody. I think up until the, the moment that the Niners moved up, I think that the, uh, it seemed much more likely that uh, Justin Fields was going to be the guy. And for the fact that Justin Fields is holding a second pro day, that doesn't exactly fill me with confidence that he is going to go high uh, or, you know, number three and number four in the draft.
0: This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: And just one more thing on the Justin Fields. If you're a fan of Justin Fields... I know it's not great on draft night. You want to go as high as you you can, and you want to make as much money as you can. But for him, if it does turn out that he does drop, I know I think it was uh, was it McShay's latest draft, mock draft, or, or was it uh, Mel's? I can't remember which one it was, but I think they had him dropping out of the top ten. What ends up happening is he's he probably going to go to a much better team, and I know it would be a fascinating situation that I would love to see because I just think it would be great to kind of measure where things are over the next three, five, seven years. If it does turn out, if he does drop out of the top 10, and you would think that there's at least that possibility, right? Because who's really out of the top four teams, who's really in the market for a quarterback? Well, I guess uh, maybe Detroit at seven, maybe the Broncos, they're at nine. But if those two don't, who would be the next team? Well, I think at 15, the New England Patriots would be a team that would be interested in the quarterback. There was already talk earlier this offseason that uh, that Mac Jones, might. a lot of mock drafts earlier, had Mac Jones going to uh, the Patriots at five. And what a fascinating conversation that would be to watch and measure if the Jets take a quarterback at two and the Patriots take one at 15, when going into the draft season, it certainly seemed like the guy who could go at 15 was a guy that could go at number two. So it would be fun to kind of measure that. We've been We measured... Right, Daniel Jones against Sam Darnold. I don't know that there is necessarily a winner there, although at least Daniel Jones is still with his team. But that would be a fascinating kind of conversation uh, to uh, watch. 1-800-919-ESPN, one 800 We have been unable so far to walk any of the Jet fan Sam Darnold culters to bring them out of the cult now that it's clear that the cult is just leading you down a dark road. Uh, we've not been able to do that, but we're here for you. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. And before the show, I said, well, is it really a cult? Well, here are some of the qualifications of, of like the Darnold believers who think it's not his fault. He was done wrong. You're not allowed to criticize the cult leader. I mean, clearly for the the, the Darnold fans who are still there, I mean, you can't, criti- you can't say anything. It wasn't his fault. He was blameless in the situation. The group refuses to uh, take any skepticism at all. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's clearly one that they follow. The group is paranoid about the outside world. Mm, well, I mean, the group relies on shame cycles. I think that that uh, speaks to Jet fans a lot, right? Oh, poor us. It never works out for us. The one that I would say is definitely clearly not a, a qualification in this case was is the group is elitist. That I would say clearly the Jet fans are not elitist, but um, the group performs rituals. I think the JETS thing could qualify there. I don't know that that would. I, I think we'd probably need somebody who's a little bit more. Uh, has a better handle on the situation to describe whether or not that would be considered one of the rituals or not. But uh, look, if you're, if you're one of those Jet fans who still does not want to believe that, uh, that Darnold is gone or that uh, that he was part of the, the problem, uh, we're here for you. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. But coming up, we'll continue to take your phone calls. We'll get into the Knicks, who had a very big win last night. Lots of things from last night's win. To really like and feel good about. You get back in the win column. You were two games under 500. Two games to five games under 500. Boy, that can happen very, very quickly, especially with the schedule the Knicks have. But you get a win last night. So lots of things to like comeback win, overtime win, at the Garden, all these big plays. But there's one thing that really stands out about that uh, you can't feel too good about. So we'll get into that. Coming up next, it is Gordon Damer. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New
0: York. This is The Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Go, 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 go. This is The Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Is there any bigger discrepancy in all of sports right now when you make a switch from Jacob DeGrom to anyone in the Met Bullpen? Considering where DeGrom is in his career, considering where the Mets' bullpen is in, in their lot in life, uh, it seems like uh, there's not. Now, look, the bullpen didn't blow it today because the Mets scored zero runs. And uh, you don't need to be uh, Bill James to know that if you score zero runs, you have a 0% chance of, of winning the game. So uh, the stat, it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling, some of the stats, when it comes to Jacob DeGrom. You know, usually in baseball, when you have weird or crazy stats – they're generally the example of just a small sample size. This is no longer a small sample size. Jacob deGrom, over 78 starts, has an ERA just a smidge over two, and the Mets have a losing record in those games. They're 36 and 42. Today was the thir- uh, excuse me the 23rd time that deGrom has pitched seven innings and did not give up more than one run, and he did not get a win. He gave up one run over, uh, what was it, eight innings he went today, and he did not get a win. And that's largely, well, today it's exclusively on the uh, offense. The Mets this year now with runners in scoring position 6-for-41. And, you know, for all the conversation we had about Francisco Lindor and his contract, are they going to do it, are they are not going to do it, blah, 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 blah boy oh boy it's just as well they didn't uh, sign that long term extension with uh, Michael Conforto yet because boy oh boy he has been a nightmare an absolute nightmare and today was just another example and you could see the frustration of of him when he struck out was it runners at second and third there were a couple guys on i think and uh, late in the game i want to say it was the 7th inning but uh, it just uh, the offense has not started to click now i think the yankees will score runs i think the mets will score runs but when you 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 know, you have all this excitement for the start of the year and you get off to the starts that the, the two teams have kind of gotten off to, I think the Yankees uh, one is, is concerning as well because they certainly seem like they're on their way to another loss today against the Rays, trailing 4 nothing in the uh, ninth inning down in uh, Tampa or maybe this bottom of the eighth right now. But still, uh, it's, it's very frustrating. It's very, very frustrating. But let's get into the Knicks. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number, one 800 919 3-7-7-6. Seven, seven, Knicks beat the uh, Grizzlies last night in overtime, 133-129. to 129. And, you know, as bad as things have been and as bad as that game started, oh, my Lord, going into that one, not just being down, what was it, 13 in the fourth, but uh, they didn't have a lead at any point in regulation outside of 3-1. And early on, Randall seemed lost. Barrett seemed lost. The team just kind of seemed completely lost. So to be able to get that win – the way they did in overtime, RJ hitting some big shots, the three free throws, all that type of stuff, that that was all great. And I, when you looked at the way that the Knicks have kind of gone here the last couple of weeks, to me, that game and the Toronto games are must-wins. Not for the play-in game so much, because I think that that's almost certainly going to be, I mean, unless they just completely fall off the map, the Knicks are going to be part of the play-in. But just kind of stabilize things, right? Because again, two games under 500, when you have the schedule that the Knicks have and the margin of error that the Knicks have, two games under 500 can become six, seven games under 500 pretty quickly. And if we agree that there are certain games that the Knicks can play their best and not win just because of the talent discrepancy, there has to be games that you just cannot fo- afford to lose. And even though Memphis has a better record than the Knicks, and even though Toronto still has some good players, those are games the Knicks absolutely have to win. They have to kind of stabilize this because the one thing you thought, okay, they might not go on a six- or seven-game winning streak because they're just simply not that talented of a team. But you can't have it that you go on a five- or six-game losing streak and they'd lost, what, five of six or six of seven, whatever it was. So R.J. Barrett, to be as bad as he was and finish the way he did, was great to see. It was good to see Derrick Rose and Emmanuel quickly be more involved. I mean, quickly – has kind of be, been non-existent, and when the Knicks were rolling pretty good, the blueprint was pretty simple. It was, yeah, uh, Julius Randle is the, the the number one option on offense, but not far behind R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel. Quickly have to provide you scoring because there's just not that much scoring on this team. And I have to say, even Obi Toppin looked more comfortable last night. Now it wasn't it wasn't uh, an outstanding performance. I think he had eight points or something like that in 15 minutes, but coming from where he was, he's been coming from at times. It's good to see some improvement. The one concern that you have, and it kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, Julius Randle is still not right. And I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's fatigue. Maybe he was just playing at an unsustainable level earlier this year. I don't know. Maybe teams have have figured out, right, try to take him away because he is pretty much the the number one focus every single night. But until Julius Randle starts playing a lot closer to the way he had played earlier this year... It's hard to feel too good about where the Knicks are at. Now, I do think they'll be in the play-in, but that's really more about math. Because to not be in the play-in, you'd have to drop down to where Toronto is, and I think they're nine games under. So that's, that's a pretty significant drop considering to catch up to them you don't only have to get to nine games, i mean they're not exactly setting the world on fire either so uh look they have two games here they got the first win it wasn't pretty at times but you got the win against memphis now tomorrow night you have to go out and beat toronto there's no there's no two ways about it 1-800-919-ESPM 1-800-919-3776 let's go to uh, brooklyn J. he is uh, interestingly enough in brooklyn brooklyn J, what's going on pal
7: how you doing? How you doing, Gordon? Thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak to you. Yeah, absolutely. I greatly appreciate it. Um, I just want to say, man, I, that I just feel, you know, just being in New York City and just being a person that has seen so many uh, Jets uh, be disappointed, I just got a feeling that that's just the M.O., you know what I mean? Just from uh, Sam Darnold, from a lot of people, you know, and I think the last coaches they really had that was successful in a sense was when they had someone under Mark Sanchez, you know. Rex but Lord. other than that, I just yeah. think that the upper offices have just poo-pooed all over this franchise. And I just can't trust it. And uh, me being a Cowboy fan, I feel bad for my fellow Jet fans that live in the to Tri-State area. And uh, I just feel, I just have a feeling that, Three years from now, you know, off of your success and you're not willing that you're still on the air, I'll be calling you and being like, Mr. Dammer, uh, what happened? Are we going to go through this again? We're going to have to go through this again and again and again. And I just think that uh, it's a copycat league out here. And I just think people just need to make their right executive decisions. That's all I got, man. Okay, and uh, thank you for the time. All right, bro. I, 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 I appreciate
1: that. Uh, I appreciate the call. One 919 ESPN. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Well, look, uh, me saying that Joe Douglas will have more success, or that there will be success for the Jets, there will be progress. That's the better term, progress for the Jets from last year, this past season, the last under Adam Gase, to next year is really more of an indictment of where they're coming from to them than a prediction of where they're going to. They won two games and even those two games, I mean, the, the way that they play, like if they had power rankings in the NFL last year, the jets would be, I mean, they, they were terrible. It, it, it seemed like each and every week they were figuring out new ways to kind of just make you, your, your mouth drop open and, and, uh, and just gasp at just how bad it was and, a lot of the the work that still needs to be done is not necessarily about what Joe Douglas has done it's about the previous two guys so for to me to say Joe Douglas will be better in the draft than John Idzik or Mike McGagnon well he can't possibly be worse i mean McGagnon and 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 Idzik John Idzik had one draft he had 12 players and it was in 2014 or 2015 there's one of those guys, the 12 guys that he had, that are left in the NFL. And it would be one thing if it was like, well, you know, they had uh, four or five sixth-round picks and four or five seventh-round picks. No, they had picks in every round. And they had a bunch of fourth-rounders that year. And not that fourth-rounders are, are necessarily uh, superstars, but they should be building blocks to, for you know, good players on your team. So no, it's not really so much me saying that uh, Joe Douglas or praise for Joe Douglas to say that there's going to be progress for the team next year and that uh, he has to be better than the previous guys. It's more of a saying that those two guys weren't the worst. (laughs) You can't possibly, you can't have a a draft where you have 12 players and none of them. And it wasn't even like guys like burned out or they, they weren't good to begin with. That's pretty, that's pretty hard to do. So the Jets drafted – the reason why they're kind of in the position that they're in right now is because the previous two guys running the show have done just, just such a poor job of the draft. Now, I'm not going to say that Joe Douglas has done an amazing job so far, but I think you would say between Makai Becton and Quinnen and Williams, if you're only taking those – and it's not like Douglas has done an amazing job. I mean, Becton was good last year, but that was really the only pick that you would say for sure, okay, that's, that's obviously a good pick uh mims is still the jury is out uh, you know some of the other guys the jury it's it's year one right and it was a, a weird year to begin with but just on Beckton and, and quinn and williams those are already two better picks than anybody the two previous guys took so that's that's a pretty good sign now the, the one thing that's going to be harder for joe douglas is you would think if there is progress these picks are not going to be in the top 10 every single year this year they are but down the road you you'd like to think that next year I don't think it's an unfair uh, expectation to win five, six games coming from where you were. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, phone number. Let's go to Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, pal?
8: Gordon, what a great game last night. Oh, it was unbelievable.
1: Oh, man.
8: You know, the Knicks, tomorrow will be their uh, 74th game. I'm sorry, 54th game, exactly 75% of the season. So through three quarters of the season, they've been in almost every game, every game I look forward to. And uh, Thibodeau's done a great job. This is the first New York team, maybe the Islanders last year, but since the Yankees in 2017, first New York team that's overachieved. And uh, it's been a great year, no matter what happens. I didn't expect them to win this many games at this point, certainly, and I didn't expect this. I expected maybe 26, 27 for the season. Mm -hmm. So it's been great. You know, it's interesting. Last night's game, you say Randall didn't play good, but he had 10 rebounds and 11 assists.
1: He did well down the stretch, but especially early on. And he just doesn't seem like the same guy. No, he's not.
8: But you know what's interesting, Gordon – They've got contributions from all 10 players that played last night. Oh, Tobin caught, played, scored eight points, played 15 mm-hmm. minutes. I mean, all 10 players contributed. And if I broke it down in the box score, the starting five played exactly 132 and a half minutes. The five substitutes played exactly 132 and a half minutes. But the substitutes scored 72 points combined, and the starters scored 57 combined. So when you consider that your five guys off the bench play better than your starting team, that's a good thing to have. You know. And to have wow. 10 players that he can get in there... Mm-hmm. He's done a great job. You know, everyone says he doesn't play rookies, he doesn't he gives out his minutes according to achievement. You gotta love him. He he's really in the fight for everything. I really love watching Thibodeau coach. I love watching the Knicks play. You know. He reminds me of Billy Martin. You know, you got or Luke Carneseca. pretty guys. Every game, Patino, while coaching the Knicks, every play they lived and died with. Every game they lived and died with. Purcell, same way. You know, they didn't always have the best teams. But when you watch them, you feel like And when you watch Thibodeau, you see these guys coaching in the past time with with the Knicks and the Rangers and the Yankees and the Mets and the Giants. You know, every game they're in it. It's been great, Gordon. That's all I want to say. And I'm right, really thankful for the season the Knicks gave us. Well, Thank you, Gordon. Thank that, you, I pleasure. mean,
1: Richard's call, and I don't necessarily disagree with him, uh, just shows you where the Knicks are coming from because there was still one game under 500, and we all are looking at it, uh, at least Knick fans are looking at it like, wow, what a godsend. And, uh, you know, Tom Thibodeau has done an, a, a great job considering what the expectations were coming into the year. Uh, I think the, uh, the over-under in Vegas was 21 or 22. And uh, it wasn't like people were saying, oh, that's free money at the time. I mean, w- we didn't know. We were hoping that they would win more than that. But the fact that they're sitting here, what is it, 55? How many games have they played so far this year? Whatever, 26 and 27. Uh, and they're one game under five hundred, and right in the thick of uh, the playoff chase. The one thing I think you can say about Tibbs is is that he's going to, I, and you knew this coming in, he's going to grind it every single night. He's going to try to win every single game. And considering where Nick coaches over the last five, six, seven years have been, there were more than enough games where you could tell from tip-off, well, it's not happening tonight. There were a lot of give-up games in, in that span, and obviously a lot of losses in that span. So even when the Knicks do lose games, they've lost a lot of close games. I think that they've proven, for the most part, they can beat the bad teams. That's the first step. Now it's about trying to win some close games. Last night was a close game that they won they got to win some more of these because uh, right now, being just part of the play-in, I think that we will accept it. If not, I think that there will be a little level of disappointment, but being in the play-in considering where you are coming from this year uh, is not so bad in in year one. And keep in mind, it is year one. I know that they've stunk forever and everybody will point, oh, what are you talking about? They've been rebuilding. No, they haven't. This is really the start. Last year was the start of the rebuild, bringing in Leon Rose, and then this year is really when it starts, when you have a coach that you can, you can believe in and now have some players on the team that you can believe in as well. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number coming up. We'll take a look, a little look at the Masters, see what's going on there. We'll take more of your phone calls if you want to get in on the Jets or the Knicks or anything like that. And then, uh, top of the hour, we'll start to turn our attention to the Yankees and the Mets. Lots to do as we take you up until six. It is Gordon Damer. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN, New
0: York. This is The Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: All right, Gordon Damer, 98.7 FM, ESPN New York, 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. We've been talking a lot of Jets today, obviously, with the uh, Sam Darnold move coming up uh, during the, the past week, right? Sam now headed to Carolina, and the Jets are all locked and loaded uh, on uh, Zach Wilson, number two, the draft 19 days away, and then... You know, people will say, well, what are you going to do when the draft? Well, then we're going to criticize all the draft picks who have not played a single game. What do you think we're going to do? Hey, Jets Nation, get back to football this season at MetLife Stadium from the comfort of your very own luxury suite. You will experience a Jets game day like never before, including VIP hospitality, reserved parking, a dedicated entrance, and a private outdoor patio space In your suite, you can now also leave a deposit for single-game rental. Lock in your suite today at nyjets.com slash suites or call 1-800-469-JETS. All right, so just to kind of get you caught up with the Masters, they're right now, I guess, in a weather delay. Justin Rose continues to lead there. He uh, is uh, at 7-under, even par today through 6 is um was it Will Zalatoris? I'm not exactly sure if that's how you pronounce Will's name, but uh, he is right now just one shot back. And then you have the grouping at five under, that includes uh, Justin Thomas, who's one under today, Corey Connors, who's three under today, but five under for the tournament and then a uh, large group at four under, which includes uh, Jordan Speeth. So Jordan Speeth was red hot coming in. Today's moving day at the Masters, and right now it's a it's weather day at the Masters, but uh, as for Speeth one over today. So he has dropped the shot, but still, you know, within shouting distance as we still have a lot of golf uh, left to play there as he is uh, three, shot back, three shots back of uh, uh, Justin Rose. Now the baseball story today, Yankees lose, Mets lose, neither of them score a run. So that's obviously not a good situation there, and certainly uh, reasons to lose your mind if you're a Yankee or a Met fan. The Yankee, I guess, the focus will be about the offense because it's still not clicking. Uh, Today they were only 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. So that's if we're looking to be more positive about things, at least it was an 0 for 10. They only had four runners in scoring position. And uh, they had only five hits on the day. Uh, It's never good when you have five hits and two errors and no runs. So that was obviously not good. And Domingo Hernan was not very good today. So that's a a struggle there as well as the Yankees dropped to three and five now, right? Three and five on the season, and the Rays are four and four. Mets, meanwhile, they uh, lost uh, to the Marlins by the uh, final of a three nothing. Another waste. I mean, there's no other way to put it, right? Another wasted outing by Jacob Degrom, who was brilliant again today. But uh, he had the um, audacity to, to give up a run in the second inning. He gave up a home run to, uh, was it Jazz Chisholm or whatever his name is? Uh, and that was, that was it. And uh, look, Jacob DeGrom had two at-bats and did not hit a home run. He did have a hit, but he did not hit a home run. And clearly, if he's going to give up a run and not hit any home runs, I think the only fair assessment is it's all Jacob DeGrom's fault. The Mets, they only had three hits today. So the Yankees and the Mets, the two big offenses here in New York, boy, oh boy, rough going. And uh, Conforto and uh, Pete Alonso had some opportunities in this game and both went 0 for 8 with uh, six strikeouts combined. Not 0 for 8, by themselves. They went 0 for 8 combined and uh, had six strikeouts. So the offense not exactly clicking there for either team. Again, people will, you know, I'm a Yankee fan. They'll say, uh, you know, are you concerned? Are you are you worried? Are you 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 writing them? No, I, I, you know what? I'm in it for 40 years now, so I think uh, you know a bad April. I think I'll kind of stick with them. I don't know. That's just me. All right, let's go back to the phones. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. We'll get to uh, the Yankees and the Mets in the next hour. Let's do some more football and uh, basketball here. We'll go to Ben. Is in New Canaan. Ben, what's going on?
5: Hey man.
9: Um can you imagine the nerve of? deGrom it's it's unbelievable it's outrageous
1: nobody is you know what I mean, Ben just, nobody has held his feet to the fire I'm the guy to do it
9: thank you very much well yes. I wanted to just say something quick about the Jets one how how long has Joe Douglas been here now is it three years
1: well this is his third year you know what I screwed something up before I said that he had a he had a better draft picks Quinton Williams was actually McKagan's pick so I screwed that up so we'll give credit to McKagan oh, okay. on that one but this is his okay, second draft. It's his third year, but it's his second draft. Remember, they had the draft, and then they got rid of McCagn, and then they brought okay. in Joe Douglas.
9: Well, look, he, his career is all about this quarterback now. Yep, that's it. Good question. I mean, if, if uh, you know, and he's going to start with a team that you just said was probably the worst team in football last year. They were inept, and now they're going to turn they're going to turn a rookie into that position. So. You know, good luck
1: with that. Well, look, if Joe Douglas doesn't do a better job, not just picking the quarterback, but picking the other draft picks than the previous two regimes, it won't be long until he suffers the same fate. It's just hard for me to believe that, this, that he will be as bad. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be great or he's going to turn the Jets around, but just in, at least in terms of progress in the short term, there has to be. I mean, teams don't generally lose or win two games in back-to-back years. And to be worse than that, you know, or to be win three games, it just seems very hard to me that there's not – just by league average, you'd think that a couple of things would go their way and they would look – I mean, look at, at, at the year before. Adam Gase was as bad a coach as they, as they are, and they won seven games.
9: Right. And, you, you know, listen, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir. I'll <laughs> tell you what, though. You know, they. I think they might have made a good move with, with Sam. Good for him. But what if they traded out of number two now, right?
6: Well, now we can.
9: they can't. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying out loud. I mean, it's a possibility. It's crazy. But what if they did that?
6: And then they could stockpile even the more picks. Because let's face it, on both sides of the football, this team needs a lot of help.
1: Absolutely. But, I, but Ben, now with 19 – and thanks for the call, Ben. I mean, 19 days before the draft, that ship has sailed, right? Like, if, if you were going to – um, move down in the draft, and look, there, There's, there. I understand why that's appealing. Stockpile as many picks as you can have, have ammunition, for, and they could have really cleaned up, right? Like, forget about all the, the other draft picks they already have. It, it depends on where you would have moved to. But moving down from two in a quarterback-heavy draft, you could have certainly cleaned up there with with number one picks this year, number one picks next year, even probably the following year. You know, if you would have moved down to the eight range or the nine range, yeah, you could have certainly cleaned up. But I think that that, uh, that, that ship has clearly sailed. They have, they have had that evaluation process within the uh, Jets' offices, and they clearly said, no, we want Zach Wilson. And if Zach Wilson is good, that's the right call. It's all about trying to find the, – the first thing you have to do is find that quarterback. And when you have the second pick in the draft in a quarterback deep draft – you got to hope that this is that, that this time they're going to get it right. And just because they got it wrong last time doesn't mean you 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 you're necessarily going to get it wrong this time, or that you don't make that decision again. You know, for for people, well, you just took a quarterback. You're going to take another. Yes, until I'm going to keep taking them until I get it right, until I get the right guy. Every three – if it turns out that Zach Wilson comes in here and puts up identical numbers to Sam Darnold, well, then in two or three years. If the Jets are sitting in the same position and have the chance to go get another quarterback that everybody kind of thinks is, is going to be a franchise, or most people think is going to be a franchise guy, well then, yes, I'm going to take that guy. The, I'm going to keep picking quarterbacks until I get it right. King is in Brooklyn. King, what's going on, pal? Hey, what's going on, boy? You
5: know, I, I, I love you with my man Larry at night. I got yes. a couple of points about the Jets and the Jets okay. and the Mets. All right, let's get going with the Jets. Adam Case. Now, we can talk what we want about Sam Donald. He had Adam Case. And you know, you Miami Dolphins fan, so he's sort of like a half hater for the Jets. But I really think that he cannot get the Jets fans, the Jets nation. He got to get that Wilson right, man. He got to get
1: this right. Yes, he does. They should have done what they should have. Oh, you traded down and just picked up anybody, like just a quarterback that was a free agent. they're going to totally almost cool. certainly be in the play-in. It's just the, what position are they going to be when that play-in rolls around? I mean, it w- they would really have to, and, and King, thanks for the call. They really have to kind of drop down there pretty far. I mean, the top 10 teams are the top 10 teams and beyond those top 10 teams, I don't know if anybody else is even really trying. Uh, it doesn't see like Toronto, the moves they made before the trade deadline. I'm sure if they won some games, they're not going to throw the season. I'm not saying they're tanking, but it, they're not exactly all hands on deck to try to to make the play in game this year. So, and uh, the Bulls, they're the 10th team. And then the Raptors are number 11. And everybody beyond that, they don't have really a shot in in heck uh, of being part of the play in. So, uh, it's not really whether the Knicks are going to be part of the play in, they will. I don't think that they're going to be one of the top six teams either. So it's just, are you going to be seven? Are you going to be eight? Are you going to be nine? Are you going to be ten? Uh, and, and you hope that at least get to a playoff series. I think that there will be big disappointment given how the expectations have been raised over this year if the Knicks don't at least make it to a playoff series. Uh, I, I, it, it's really kind of hard when you were expecting 25 wins this year, and the team has, has clearly surpassed that to be too down or to see it as a failure if you make the play-in and you get bumped right away. But I think that anybody would have to say, if the Knicks made it to the playoffs, play in the play-in and then get to a playoff series, it would be very hard to say, no matter how the playoff series went, that this year was a disappointment or that this year was a failure, clearly, when you didn't expect to be even part of the play-in.
0: This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: K show at 2 p.m. Oh, hey, it's Gordon Damer, 98.7 FM ESPN, New York. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. We've been talking a lot about the uh, Jets and uh, the Knicks. And, of course, the Michael K show is celebrating their new 2 p.m. start time. Have you heard about this? They're giving away $10,000 in the uh, month of April. Every weekday in the 2 p.m. hour, be listening for the K cash sounder and be ready to call in to claim 500 bucks cash that day. It's all from your home of the hookup, or for the hookup. 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. All right, let's go back to the phones. We'll go out to, uh, is it John's in Freehold? John, what's going on, pal?
9: Hey, good afternoon, Gordon. How you doing?
1: I'm good, John. What's going on?
9: I'm doing great, Gordon. Hey, listen, uh, I think this Nick team looks tired to me right now. And it's uh, just incomplete. They just don't have enough talent on this roster at this point. They're a work in progress. They're a developing team, and uh, that's all well and good. I like what the front office has done to this point, as well as Tom Thibodeau and his staff. I think you've got to be very proud and and happy about the way the team has played. You enjoy every game you watch right now. And uh, the strategy has to be smart and selective going forward, Gordon. You can't uh, skip any steps. You can't get silly or stupid. And uh, we know what the the deficiencies with this team are. The the perimeter shooting is is horrendous. It's a grind and a struggle to score. They don't get any easy baskets of any kind, and they just don't have that elite lead guard. I know you talked about the superstars uh, being disgruntled and freeing themselves up to come here. The only problem with that scenario is there is no disgruntled elite point guard that is available now or in the foreseeable future. So I think to get that guy, and I think that's your number one need you're going to have to get going forward. You're going to have to address that in the draft. I know there's been talk about Lonzo Ball, who's a restricted free agent at the end of the year, having a career year this season, that David Griffin and the New Orleans Pelicans have no interest in paying a luxury tax. So if the Knicks overpay for him, they can get him for nothing as a restricted free agent in the summertime. I don't like that mindset. I don't like that philosophy where I have to overpay for a guy that I'm not totally sold on. Um, That's not a slam dunk at that position because then you put yourself into a position where, you get a guy that you're overpaying for, and uh, he ties up your salary cap, and you can't trade him anywhere. He becomes a net negative. So I'd just rather just stay the course and really scout uh, thoroughly this year in the draft. Maybe you got you got multiple first-round picks. You've got that very high second-round draft pick from Detroit that, you know, very easily could be the number one pick overall in the second round. Maybe package something like that together if you identify a really – uh, stand-ish, uh point guard and, and go address that position in the draft because that's the number one need. I, I'm not worried about quickly Gordon. Quickly's quickly's a keeper. I told you before. I quickly to me reminds me of a Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford instant offense guy, and that's fine if that's what his career is going to become. That's a keeper. That's a good pick, and and I, and I like him on our team and I want to keep him, but. He, he just doesn't handle the ball well enough, nor does anybody else on the team. And if you really want to take Obi Toppin to the next level and have this kid develop, you've got to get a point guard that can consistently break people down off the dribble and uh, get constant penetration and get guys the ball where they need it on the floor to succeed.
1: You know what you have to watch for, John? Find out what uh, how, you know. I – mean, we'll have to wait to see where the Knicks are picking first off. But find out which uh, of the, the targeted guys in that range are CAA clients. And then, if any of them are point guards as well, we'll kind of know that that's the direction the Knicks are going to go in the draft. How about that?
4: Well, one
9: would hope that that wouldn't be the case, Gordon. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a pretty Walter good indicator, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good indicator. Uh, I mean, it they seemed pretty clear that that, that Obi Toppin was going to be the pick because he was a CAA client and he was in that Nick range. So, and, and, lo and behold, he did. So... Uh, look, the Knicks have a lot of options, uh, and they have a lot of holes still, right? I mean, you know, they, they have – they can kind of address this any way they want. And, John, thanks for the phone call. Uh, but the 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 options are there, right? They have they have a lot of draft picks here the next couple of years. They have a lot of cap space. I, I, I'm not saying that he's the perfect guy, the perfect fit, but the Lonzo Ball one does uh, appeal to me at a certain level because, first off, I, I need to – I I can't say, well, you know, this deal doesn't work. That deal doesn't work. I can't find this. I can't find that. Here's a guy that certainly seems like he will be available at the right price. And with as much cap space as you have, I, I wouldn't mind overpaying a little bit to get a steep upgrade. And he would be a steep upgrade at the point from where they are right now. And he is having a much better year. And I also like that he kind of fits that age profile as well. He'll be 24 next year. And I kind of put him together with the other pieces on the team that it, it seems like I'm starting to build a little bit of a core. And to me, that's outside shooting is obviously a, a, an issue as well. And I know his numbers are up this year. I wouldn't really look at him as an answer for the up, uh, to upgrade the shooting so much. But I do like his, his vision, obviously. His defense would be something I think that would appeal to Tom Thibodeau. And he's somebody that you could have some confidence in with him running the point, certainly more so than they have right now. So I don't know how many great point guards are going to be in the draft this year. I don't know where the Knicks are going to be picking in the draft this year. Uh, but Lonzo Ball, I, I, a lot of the ones that get floated out there right away when it comes to the Knicks, I say, ah, I don't like that, I don't like I don't like this. That one, I, I don't, it's not an instant no for me, uh, Lonzo Ball one. And it seems like it's something that could line up. And look, you'd have to say, even if he's not the perfect solution, he's a massive upgrade over what the Knicks have had at point guard for a very long time. Uh, let's go out to uh, Max's in Stanford. Max, what's going on, pal? Yeah. Max. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up?
10: Um, yeah. So I'm uh, talking a little Sam Donald. Um, okay. You know, so I heard you talking about it earlier and saying that maybe Sam Donald succeeds in Carolina. Maybe he doesn't. You expressed that you still have your doubts about that. Um, but what what you stated in um, you know an almost an objective manner was that um you know that possible future success was not going to be coming to him in new york and you know i i get that take but i'm kind of just i'm kind of confused by the perspective and i know this is a low-hanging fruit argument but, but what did sam you know what did he have in his time as a jet that possibly could have allowed him to succeed i mean we're we're enamored by zach wilson based on these amazing types of throws he can make on the run his flashy pro day you know he's the shiny new toy what does he show as a prospect that we haven't seen from Sam Donald? I mean, I look at the throws Sam makes and, you know, there's obviously a lot of mistakes, but some of the stuff that he does is just unbelievable. And, you know, this, this there, you clearly see the sneaky athleticism in Sam that, that also gets highlighted in Zach Wilson's game so much. And, you know, I, I, I just think that, that Sam hat really does have a ton of talent that we could have seen come to light more under Joe Douglas's guidance. And then we, you know, then we could have traded the number two picks, stockpiled more picks to fill the multiple holes that we have. But, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying it was the wrong move. I'm just – I'm clearly a big Sam fan. I think there's a lot of talent there, and I think he's the – you know, you saw Adam Adam Gates, what, the first New York coach to, to not accept a weekly interview, and um, and how long, and then, you know, who came on the show? That was
1: probably Michael his best Tateco, decision as a Jeff every, Coach.
10: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <absolutely>, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I just – Sam's clearly such a great kid, and, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him I root so much in Carolina, but, you know, I'm, I'm still enthusiastic. I trust Joe Douglas, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds.
1: Well, see, for Max, for me, it was not necessarily that. It was, I'm not making the comparison between Sam Darnold or, or Zach Wilson. For me, the first step is, is Sam going to be the guy here? And after watching him for three years, I understand that the shortcomings that he was surrounded with But there was nothing on a consistent basis after three years that I felt like I could say, well, you know what? As long as we upgrade the talent, we know for I mean, he was making a lot of the same mistakes that he was making in year one. And I think you could actually make the argument. He was making more of them in year three. Like year three was was worse than year one. Year one, at least you had that stretch at the end of the season where you thought, "Okay, you know, we're starting to see a little bit here. It was not a great rookie season, but the last four games were good. You really never saw that matched again in years two or three.
10: Yeah, and it was really, it really was disappointing. I was really just hoping to see just a bit more consistency uh, last season, and um, you know, I knew when that wasn't coming that this was going to be a this was going to be an interesting off season. It yeah, looks like. that I uh, mean, look uh,
1: for like him. I think it's the, the best wall. thing. Uh, uh, he goes to a place where at least he has some some representative talent around him again. And Max, thanks for the call. You know, if he stays here. You know, maybe Joe Douglas nails all of these picks, but the chances are Sam Darnold in year one with Carolina will probably have more talent around him than Sam Darnold would have had year one with the Jets, at least on offense, right? Like, not all the picks are going to go on offense. So I think that it's a better shot for him to show, and it's not just a second chance for Sam, it's probably a last chance, right? Like, if he doesn't succeed in Carolina... His days of a starting quarterback in the NFL are, are probably gone. Now, he, he might stay in the league as a backup or, or maybe somebody else brings him in as a flyer or something like that. But, you know, there's a lot riding on it for him as well. I just think that with, with having the second pick in the draft, having a quarterback-rich draft, and having seen what you've seen from Sam, for Joe Douglas, the question to me came down to, are you willing to bet your Jet tenure – on sam darnold a guy that you didn't draft and you have the ability to draft someone else and i think it's pretty clear with the the move that they made that joe douglas is betting because if he gets this wrong right if if zach wilson comes here and is not the guy that people are saying he's going to be well then you know what it's gonna before long it's gonna be somebody else that's making making the picks now it might take a little bit longer than one year because you have to give the quarterback more than one year and they have a lot of picks over the next two years But if it turns out by – if we get to year three of Zach Wilson and the Jets are roughly in the same spot and and Wilson is putting up roughly the same production as Sam Darnold, yeah, it's not going to be Joe Douglas that's making the picks after that. Let's go to – Sean is in Puerto Rico. Sean, what's going on, buddy?
9: How are you, Gordon? I really enjoy your show. Nice to talk to you. you. Thanks, pal. Quick question. I, I think we all become prisoners of the moment with the draft. And uh, I know uh, Zach Wilson was impressive. Everyone's enamored with him. That seems to be the word. Yes. But don't you feel that Justin Fields is just more a proven commodity having played in the Big Ten? And second to that, just in closing, and I'll wait for your answer, if Deshaun Watson's legal problems had not arisen, do you think that was ever a possibility of him coming to the Jets?
1: I don't think it was for the Jets, but I definitely think it was for Carolina. I think Carolina was sitting there waiting to kind of to to, uh, to pursue that as their avenue. And then when that dried up, by the time it did, all the other quarterbacks who kind of moved places this offseason were gone. So then they took the, you know, a reasonable chance, I guess. I think they gave up a little bit too much for Sam, but they took a shot with Sam Darnold thinking that uh, he will be better there. Um the Justin Fields thing, look, for me, I'm not a guy that sits and breaks down video of all these different guys. The, the, the thing about Zach Wilson, I am still a little unsure about because of the stuff I've seen, yeah, it's all well and good. But you know what? I'm not sitting there watching BYU games week in and week out. I've seen a lot more of Justin Fields, which means I've seen a lot more of his warts. So if you told me three years from now, Justin Wilson turns out to be the better quarterback than Zach Wilson, that would not shock me at all, if that's your question.
9: Okay. Okay. Thank you so much.
1: All right, Sean. Thanks for the call. Sean's got some stuff going on in the background over there. 1-800-919-ESPN, one 800 Coming up, we'll get more of your phone calls on the Jets. I mean, this is really it. This is going to be – think about all the time. All the shows have spent speaking about Sam Darnold. Now, I know it, what had happened on Tuesday. This has really been my, my first chance on, on this time slot to talk about. It. But this is, this is like the end of an era. This is, this is the last chance we're really going to focus on Sam, the Jets, Hopes, and all this type of stuff. So this is it. Last Chance Cafe, people. The last days of disco when it comes to Sam Darnold. It's, it's right now. It's right here. It's a, it, that's why we open with the Sarah McLaughlin. We, we will remember you. What a, what, a, what a wild ride it's been. Three years, and already it's over.
0: You're listening to The Gordon Damer Show Podcast on 98.7 ESPN.